Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shadow. I've missed being here. It's been a few weeks, and I just got back from being in Los Angeles, where last Shabbat I had the privilege of installing Rabbi Andy Strauss, who was an interim rabbi here last year, as the new rabbi of Temple Adat Elohim in Thousand Oaks. It's a wonderful congregation, it's a beshert match, and Andy sends us warm regards and thanks to this whole central family. While I was out on that other coast, I had a chance to see my sister, who lives in LA and is a classical violist. It was a Friday morning, and it was 80 degrees, and we went to the beach. And I said, this is awesome. We're at the beach in February. She said, yeah, it's pretty great. She said, but sunshine here is not so simple. We're in a terrible drought. And frankly, I miss a little of the rain and even the clouds. As much as I love the weather, it's harder to be a musician here. Relentless sunshine doesn't always make the best conditions for creative angst. Now, this is no disrespect to anyone from LA, and I just saw my colleague, Rabbi Yoshi Zweibach, come in, and I know you're an amazing artist and you live in LA, so it's definitely possible. But I did think about this idea that sometimes we need the clouds and maybe even some storms to fuel that creativity. But we usually only want to seek out the sunlight because it can lift our burdens or brighten our mood. And that's not just an approach to the weather. For some of us, it's also our approach to faith. We talk about always wanting to walk in the light of God. This, this is an idea that Theologian Barbara Brown Taylor calls full-on solar spirituality. This sunny spirituality is expressed by the idea that God warms us and shines over us constantly and never leaves us or abandons us. It's a certainty of God's forgiveness and of a loving community all the time. Who wouldn't want this full-on solar spirituality? to be in God's light all day, every day. In some of my darker moments of sadness or struggle, I definitely seek the light. I believe in the possibility of a better day. It's built into our Jewish DNA, the notion of being able to come through and start fresh, seeing our burdens lifted. We Jews have faith in the light. In the Torah, it's quite straightforward. Light is good. Darkness is bad. God created light, 
and it was good. God sent the ninth plague of darkness, and it was bad. Light is where we can see and be seen, and Jews are called to be a light, an or legoyim, a light to the nations. But with all this emphasis on light, we sometimes forget that our greatest learning can happen in the dark. Our text might suggest at first that darkness is only a deficiency, something to overcome. But we know that sometimes we stumble on discoveries in the dark. We forge relationships in a tunnel. And even if there's no visible upside to our period of struggle, at least not right away, we, we learn to sit with deep pain without feeling that God has abandoned us. Because sometimes those shadow feelings of loss and confusion and insult or hurt or a sense that God is absent, they simply don't go away. No light clears it up. And that isolation feels darker than we can bear. I've been thinking a lot about a recent conversation I had with a longtime member who lost her beloved husband of 50, over 50 years. And I encouraged her to come to services to say Kaddish. She hadn't been to Friday night services in a very, very long time. And she happened to come the week of Shabbat Shira, where we had a particularly energetic, joyous service. And afterwards she said to me, I shouldn't have come. The service was very joyous, and that's good. But there was no room for my pain. I found no comfort, no sanctuary. How do we hold joy and anguish in the same moment, in the same service? In last week's portion, when Moses came down from that mountain after the smashing of the first set of tablets and the building of the golden calf, and he comes down with the second set of tablets that he etched with God's help, he didn't realize his face was glowing. It was so radiant that the Israelites shrank from coming near him, and Moses later had to put on a veil. He had just talked to God directly, panim al panim, face to face. And so his face literally shined because of that intimate moment with the divine, the light of the eternal. This amazing, light-filled leader who knew God with such deep certainty in this moment, even him, Moses, he could not build the Mishkan by himself. Moses calls for gifts from all the people, all kinds of gifts and all kinds of skills. But he singled out one person that God named Bitzalel to be the chief architect. He was endowed with a divine proficiency of every kind of craft. And now you know, names in the Bible are not accidental. And Bitzalel means the shadow of God the shadow of God. Moses might have been glowing, but the chief artisan of the Mishkan lived in the shadows, in the dark places. The Torah gives three words to describe Betzalel's divine spirit. 
He has chokma, tvuna, and da'at, skill, ability, and knowledge. At first blush, they appear to be three synonyms that mean the same thing. But the rabbis parse this a little more subtly. Rashi, the medieval commentator, says, Chochma, skill, is what a person learns from other people. Tvuna, which is ability, is the result of one's own insight and your own experience. And da'at, which is knowledge, is that divine inspiration that can suddenly spring up from some unknown source that is beyond you. In other words, Bitzalel, our shadow man, he learned from others, he learned from his own experience, and he learned from God. Bitzalel proves darkness isn't so simple. It isn't only bad or only hard. Darkness educates us. It tests our resilience. It helps us to grow. Bitzalel, the designer, of our sanctuary and our sacred ark was a figure whose darkness was his gift. It was a prerequisite for his artistry. And then when we recall that the Mishkan was transported under a cloud, that God kept a cloud over the tabernacle when we went on our way, we see this stunning partnership. The light of Torah was carried by a figure of darkness under a cloud. It's such a Jewish idea that our light and our darkness need each other. Moses, the man who glowed, needed Bitzalel, the man from the shadows. We need the singing of Shabbat Shirah with the sobriety of our Kaddish prayer. I need my sister's California sunshine with my New York. The shadows with the light they give us texture and depth and perspective. With both, we can create a sanctuary where pain, loss, and doubt coexist with clarity and healing and hope. It's not helpful to pretend that life is always light or that light is always good or that darkness is always bad. Our text teaches us how we might build a mishkan here every week where people can bring all of their gifts, their light, and their shadows to create a sanctuary where God can dwell amongst us all. And I'd always praise your name. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Shalom.